Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Jason, he was an amazing human being. When he was young, he was fun and vivacious, a little bit giddy. So you're the big sister? I'm the big sister, yeah, by about three and a half years. That's just enough to be able to tell him what to do. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he always appreciated it. Jason was a 31-year-old widower with two tiny children. He decided that he needed support and decided to engage the services of an au pair. That was Molly Martins. I always knew her as kind-hearted. She loves other people more than she loves herself. I would describe her even growing up as just remarkably altruistic. She was good with the kids. Jason started to smile a bit more. There was definitely something between them. The two of them looked very happy. Jason was always the romantic type. He shouldn't have been alone for the rest of his life. He proposed to her on Valentine's Day. The wedding was, was beautiful. She seemed happy. Suppose a lot of things changed when they moved to America. Jason started to talk about moving home. He wasn't happy. He said she was acting strange. He would open up and say they were having difficulties and then he would change the subject. When they moved to the U.S., I definitely start to notice more uh, verbal altercations and verbal abuse. Jason was yelling at Molly. Davidson County 911. My name is Tom Martins. My son-in-law got in a fight with my daughter. I intervened, and he's in bad shape. We need help. What do you mean he's in bad shape? He's hurt? He's bleeding all over, and I, I may have killed him. He's got mom by the throat. 
He walks in that scene a nightmare. Without Tom Martin's heroic efforts that night, Molly would be dead. They claimed that it was self-defense. So you're telling me you think that whole thing was staged? Yes, 100%. And the entire story that the two of them tell about Jason choking Molly, in your mind, that is entirely a lie? Yes. The Martins didn't just murder Jason. He was very controlled and abusive. They tried to destroy his character. That guy was crazy. I would have done anything I needed to do to get justice for Jason. hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. blood. All right, listen carefully. I'll tell you how to do chest compressions. I'll set a pace for you. One, two, three, four. The call came in the early morning hours of August 2nd, 2015. I'm, I'm certified. I, I just can't think. Okay, you have to stay calm. Let your training take over. We need to try and do this to help him, okay? Okay. All right. Police arrived at this Winston-Salem, North Carolina home to find Jason Corbett beaten to death and his blood on his wife, Molly. They knew who did it, Molly and her father, Tom Martins. The question was why. He's got Molly by the throat, like this. 
Just hours later, Tom, a 30-year FBI veteran, explains he'd been spending the night at his daughter's home. After being awakened by a commotion upstairs, he says he grabbed a Little League baseball bat he brought as a gift for the kids and ran to her room. He sees me coming, and he goes around her throat like this. And I said, let her go. Tom says his protective instincts as a father instantly kicked in. I hit him with the baseball bat, and he reaches out and he grabs the bat, and he's stronger than I am. And he pushes me down, and I'm scrambling on the floor, glasses fall off. Now I'm thinking, he's going to kill me. Molly told investigators the same story. He tried to hit my dad, I think, but he might have missed, and I, um, I hit him on the head. She hit Jason with a paving stone that was sitting on her nightstand. You had a brick on your nightstand? Yeah. What was that for? Um, the, the kids and I, we were going to paint paint these bricks and flowers around the mailbox. Oh. And I get the bat back. Can't tell you how many times I hit him. I can't tell you. It's it's bad. In Ireland, Jason's sister, Tracy Lynch, still cannot comprehend that he died this way. I just couldn't process it. It was, um, yeah, he was my best friend. and We were just two of the closest people in the world to each other um, outside of my husband and children. Tracy and Jason were part of a big Irish family in Limerick. She remembers her brother as a kind and caring soul. We would just spend summers in uh, Spanish Point in County Clare, uh, hang out, fish, just kind of normal, traditional Irish upbringing, really. We looked like each other, but we were different in so many ways. Jason was Wayne Corbett's twin. Would he have been the oh, quiet one or no, in the no, middle No, 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 Jason wouldn't have been quiet, no. He, you, you would hear him before you see him. Jason married his first wife, Mags Fitzpatrick, when he was 27. They had two children, Jack and Sarah. They were just so happy and so excited with life and so enthusiastic about it as well. And, and they had Sarah and, you know, I remember them saying that they had, that their family was complete. They had their little prince and princess. But in 2006, shortly after having their second child, Jason's storybook life came to an abrupt end when Mags, a longtime asthmatic, suddenly had an attack. Mags woke Jason to say that she was feeling wheezy. And he set her up. She starts to take her nebulizer. Mm -hmm. um, and she starts to get progressively worse. We found out later they called him in and told him that she had died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And how old was he? He was 30. So 30 years old? Yeah. With a two-year-old son? Yeah, 12-week-old daughter. With two very small children still at home, Jason Corbett had no choice but to pick up the pieces and move on after Mags died. 
A year and a half later, 25-year-old Molly Martins answered an ad for an au pair. She arrived in Limerick in March 2008. I met Molly the day she arrived in the airport in Shannon. Jason's longtime friend, Lynn Shanahan. And what was your impression of her when you met her? Um, my first thoughts and the first sentence to my own husband were this is not what Jason needs right now. Why? The minute I saw her with the big bouncing curls, mm-hmm. she was in her 20s. She had a big bright coloured coat, fur collar, cowboy boots, was dressed and makeup done like a pageant queen, as we would have said. She just seemed not the nanny type. But Molly's uncle, Mike Ernest, says she was great with kids. She grew up babysitting, always loved children. Molly Martins had grown up in Knoxville, Tennessee. She dropped out of Clemson University and was looking to begin a new chapter in her life. I think, you know, she maybe was looking for something uh, different and that this might get her involved, too, in in something that I think she was passionate about, which is children. In Limerick, Molly instantly connected with Jason's children, three-year-old Jack and one-year-old Sarah. He liked her. She seemed gentle with the kids. We started to see, you know, a little glimpse of the old Jason coming back that he was just, you know, not so sad all the time. That's when Jason and Molly's relationship changed from professional to personal. We went on holidays together. The two of them looked very happy. The kids were happy. And they were soon making long-term plans. It was here at Freddy's Bistro in Limerick on Valentine's Day 2010, nearly two years after Molly Martins arrived to be an au pair, that Jason asked her to be his wife. Molly was over the moon and immediately began planning for a wedding back in the States. They came and um, said that they got engaged and we opened a bottle of champagne and toasted to their future. Was he Uh, happy? He was happy, yeah, he was. He was in love, he loved Molly. But that happiness wouldn't last for long. Davidson County 911, what is the address of your emergency? The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Crazy. So there's a history of domestic violence at the house? Yeah. 
challenge that I want to Molly Corbett and Tom Martins continued to give Davidson County investigators a blow-by-blow account of what they say happened that night in that bedroom. By now, they've washed off Jason's blood. Tom claims that when he arrived earlier that evening to visit Molly and the kids, Jason was drunk. They all went to bed without incident. But hours later, Jason's daughter, Sarah, woke up from a nightmare. She thought that the fairies on her sheet were insects and spiders and lizards. In the middle of her interview, Molly tells investigators she's in pain from the chokehold Jason had her in. They photograph her, including a red mark on the center of her neck. It's hard to see in this photo. They also take pictures of Tom. But as Molly and Tom tell tales about Jason's abuse, Jason's family had a different story. They say Molly was the one who caused problems in the relationship for years. The person in Ireland was very different to the one that we met in Tennessee. Jason's family supported the marriage, but when they arrived in the States for the wedding, they say they noticed Molly was behaving strangely. She was just very controlling. She was angry, I would say. Um, And for someone who was about to get married, she just wasn't herself. She stayed in bed, curled up in a ball, um, didn't come out and socialize with anybody. And that, she says, wasn't the worst of it. What really set alarm bells ringing for me was when one of the bridesmaids told us before the wedding that Molly had told them that she had been friends with Mags, Jack and Sarah's mother, before she died of cancer. Mags didn't die of cancer, she died of an asthma attack. And of course, Molly never knew Mags. Jason's family was beginning to wonder if he was making a mistake by marrying Molly. And I said, you're the most unhappiest married man I've ever seen on his wedding day. Jason's best friend and groomsman, Paul Dillon, thought he should walk away. And I asked him to just leave her and just get on the plane and go home. And he said he can't. He made the commitment. This man believes the Corbett's had a reason to be concerned. My name's Keith McGinn, and Molly Martins is my former fiancé. Molly had been engaged to another man, who says they were still together when she left for Ireland to become Jason's au pair. She had a lot of things going on. She had migraines. She had insomnia. She basically, she spent a lot of time just soaking in the bathtub, sometimes just crying on the bathroom floor. Keith claims both he and Molly struggled with mental health issues that he describes in a self-published book written before Jason died. He gave us no records to back that up, although Molly's medical records from years after her time with Keith show that she was diagnosed with depression. 
Her brother Connor is reluctant to talk about it. Much has been said about Molly's mental health. Are you comfortable addressing that? I don't want to comment on that. At the time of the wedding, according to Molly's family, all was well, and she was happy to be walking down the aisle with Jason. She looked very happy, and she looked like she was very happy to be getting married. Jason was able to get a job transfer with the packaging company he'd worked for in Ireland. He and Molly settled into the suburbs of Winston-Salem, where Molly got a job as a part-time swim instructor, but spent most of her time with Jack and Sarah. I was concerned for Jason and his children. He had moved lock, stock and barrel from Ireland, packed up his whole life, sold his house, gave up his job, and was on the cusp of a new life. Well, my impression was that things seemed to be okay. I don't know if they seemed to be great. I did see occasions where there seemed like there were issues coming up. After four years, Molly was closer to the children than ever and considered them her own. But her relationship with Jason was in trouble. Jason started to talk about moving home. He wasn't happy. Did he say why he wasn't happy? A lot of it was down to the relationship with Molly. Um, she was acting strange. There was things occurring that he wasn't comfortable with. And he missed Ireland, wanted to move back. But he knew and said that there would be huge difficulty in him coming back mm -hmm. once Molly found out. And the kids at this point, they call her mom. Yes. She is their mother. Yes. Molly had always wanted to officially become Jack and Sarah's mother. But Jason would not allow it. He didn't want to take the only mother they'd ever known away yeah. from them, but he wouldn't allow her to adopt them. Yes. Why? Because of what she had said about Mags and because of her erratic behavior. She waited until just before the wedding and then all these stories came out. So when we spoke, he said he just couldn't. How could he go ahead and allow Molly to adopt the children when he had all these issues of trust? Now, with Jason dead, police ask Molly about his family. Jason's decision not to allow her to adopt Jack and Sarah hits hard. I was scared that we'd take the kids. Did you adopt the children? No. Okay. Then that's a real possibility. Oh. <laughs> the thought of losing the children is more than Molly can bear. But investigators offer Molly a light at the end of a dark tunnel. This point. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tracy says when she got the horrible news of Jason's death, she knew it could not have been self-defense. Jason was a gentle person. As Molly and Tom claimed. I kept ringing Molly. She wouldn't return my calls. Her parents completely stonewalled us. I got 30 seconds on the phone with Jack to tell him that I loved him and I was coming over to be with him. Tracy says she was desperate to get to Jason's children as soon as possible. I was terrified. Yeah. What were you terrified about? I was terrified she would kill them. You thought that Molly might kill the children? Absolutely. Years before, Jason had named Tracy legal guardian if he were to die. And Tracy knew Molly would not give up the kids without a fight. She immediately flew to North Carolina and filed for custody. Sure enough, Molly filed a motion for custody as well. No one knew what scenario was playing in Molly's head, what she thought she needed to do, or was there a chance that they would be in danger if she knew they were taking them from her? During the troubled marriage, Molly had asked an attorney what her rights to the children would be in the event of a divorce. She also secretly recorded arguments with Jason. Are you finished with your dinner, hon? I'm talking to you. No. Is this how you treat this event? You just ignore me? I said I'd like to have dinner with Jason. my family. I'm talking to you. I shouldn't have to say it over and over. I shouldn't have to say, Molly. Can you guys get out the stuff for a No, you're... I'm mm-hmm. Here you go again. I'm talking to you and you're still going to talk about something else. This friend says Molly spoke with her about Jason. So no. prior to his death, you never talked to her about their relationship? No. Mm-mm. And after his death, has she talked to you much about Jason and that relationship? Yes. We agreed not to use her name or show her face. She says she's been threatened by Jason's supporters. There were, you know, some signs that things weren't right. Like what? Controlling behavior, some of the bad language and calling her names, and and then it just progressively got worse. Forced sex, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Molly never reported any abuse to police. Molly has said that Jason was verbally abusive, had started becoming physically abusive. Do you think that any of that is possible? I don't believe any of that is true. Days after Jason died, both of his children were interviewed by a social worker. Tell me why my dad died and people are, my aunt and uncle from my dad's side are trying to take away, take away from my mom. Jack and Sarah are asked about the night their father died. I don't know what my dad was up because that's not Tell me why that's not because he just gets really, really angry. Because why'd you put me up? 
Jack even explains the odd presence of the paving stone in the bedroom. It was in my mom's room because it was raining earlier, and we already and we were going to paint it. We didn't want it getting it all wet. When a social worker asks the kids about their parents' relationship, both seem to support Molly's claims of abuse. Do you physically hurt her? Um, what did you punch? What did you do? Um, punching, hitting, pushing. Has anyone told you what to say when other people talk to you? I just said, say the truth, yeah. That's all she said. But Tracy says that is not the truth. You believe that Molly or someone in the Martins family coached the children? I'm certain of it. The children were removed from Molly's care and placed with Tracy, who was staying at a hotel in North Carolina, as the custody battle waged on. Tom and Molly were allowed a visit. It would prove to be one of their last. Sixteen days after Jason was beaten to death, Tracy prevails. Jack and Sarah would be heading back to Ireland with her and away from Molly, the only mother these children have ever really known. She was very, very devastated. She could, you know, barely function. I mean, she was absolutely distraught. In the months following their return to Ireland, Tracy says that Molly repeatedly tried to contact Jack and Sarah, posting numerous messages on social media, hoping that somebody here in Limerick would pass them on to the children. Did you feel that Molly had any rights to them at all? No, Molly had murdered their father. Um, and that's what I firmly believed at that point. Tracy had a new battle on her hands. Justice for Jason. After the autopsy, and I recall the sheriff saying that it was blunt force trauma. She was told that Jason suffered at least a dozen blows to the head. I looked at my brother in the coffin and witnessed just the devastation that one human can inflict on another. After those first interviews, Molly and Tom heard nothing more from authorities. Despite Molly being told that the attack on Jason looked like self-defense, a murder investigation actually kicked into full gear. And in January 2016, five months after Jason died, father and daughter are shocked when they are charged with second-degree murder. I mean, of course they're devastated. Tom, the FBI veteran of 30 years, would now find out what it's like to sit at a criminal defense table. They were both aware of the possibility that they might not walk out of that courtroom. Correct. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We were under a lot of pressure as a family and, you know, we were concerned, were they going to be charged? So it was a relief that the charges were brought. Tracy felt sure from the beginning that Molly and Tom did not kill her brother Jason in self-defense. In fact, she believes she knows the real motive. There isn't a shadow of a doubt in my mind that Jason was beaten to death because he was going to leave with the kids. Tracy says Jason's plans to move back to Ireland with Jack and Sarah, but without Molly, had finally come together. She and Lynn believe Molly found out that night. I think Jason became surplus to her requirements. She didn't need him anymore. She just wanted the children. After knowing her for years, Lynn thinks Molly had been plotting to get the kids away from Jason for some time. She was playing the long game that she was telling people that he had been abusive. She had her recordings. Here you go again, I'm talking to you and you're stuck and I'm talking about something else. She would have a case to get the children from him. While awaiting the trial, Tracy settled Jack and Sarah into their new home back in Ireland. They had intensive therapy, she says, and adjusted well. Is it true that your father was abusive or false? Um, false. Nine months after returning to Limerick, Jack recanted what he told social workers after his father was killed. What did Molly say? We were going into an interview. Um, uh, she was saying a lot of story, making of stories about my dad saying that he was abusive. And she started saying, if you don't lie, I'll never ever see you again. Jack says he only has one motive for telling the truth now. And I want to know what happened to my dad, and I want justice to be served. Today, Jack is 14 years old, and Sarah is 12. While we were in Ireland, they did not want to be interviewed. But the family did allow us to take video of them. Molly Corbett and Tom Martins went to trial together in July 2017. Family and friends of both the Corbetts and the Martins turned out in force. What was it like to be so close, sitting by and, and in the same room with Molly and Tom? Um, it was very, very difficult. You're sitting there and looking at, you know, two people that had done something that was so malicious and insidious and ferocious. We thought we had evidence stacked up behind us a mile high. Assistant District Attorney Alan Martin was confident the state would prove that Molly and Tom murdered Jason with malice. The viciousness and violence and excessiveness of the injuries that Jason suffered was really the cornerstone of our case. Not only had the autopsy stated Jason suffered at least a dozen blows to the head, the exact number could not be determined 
because he'd been struck repeatedly in the same spot. We looked at the damage to his scalp. Um, the His scalp was literally ripped from his skull. His skull was crushed. For comparison, the jury was shown pictures of the defendants taken that same night. They didn't have a scratch, an abrasion. Molly had a delicate bracelet on her that that night that she continued to wear um, throughout the trial. Martin says that makes Molly and Tom's claim of self-defense a tough sell. You cannot be engaged in a Donnybrook like they described with a man who is bigger than you, stronger than you, taller than you, and not have a mark on you. It's just not possible. A blood spatter expert bolstered that argument. You can tell by looking at the spatter on the wall that Jason's head was 12 to 18 inches off the floor when some of the blows were struck. Martin says that meant Tom was standing over Jason, still swinging after Jason could no longer have been a threat. I've known Tom Martins for 50 years. This is not someone who loses control. This is not someone who is going to kill someone out of malice. I absolutely do not believe there's any way Tom would hit him while he's down. The defense pointed to photos that showed Molly did have that red mark on her neck. And a nurse practitioner testified that at a checkup just two weeks before he died, Jason said he'd been more stressed lately. He had complained of getting angry for no apparent reason. One strand of long blonde hair was found in Jason's hand. It was likely Molly's, but was never tested. And the autopsy indicated there were defensive wounds to Jason's left arm, but not to his right, the one in which he supposedly held Molly. He said he was going to kill Molly. Still claiming he did what any father would do to protect his child, the defense's star witness, Tom Martins, takes the stand. No cameras were allowed, but there is audio. I certainly felt he would kill me. I felt both of our lives were in danger. I did the best I could. Molly did not testify, and the defense was not allowed to offer evidence regarding Jason's alleged abuse. I did not like some of Jason's behavior, particularly with regard to my daughter. That does not mean that I demonized the man. Tom testifies he went only as far as he had to. Once I got control of the bat, I hit him until I considered the threat to be over. And when I considered the threat to be over, I quit hitting him. Did Jason make the threat to be over when he went down? During closing arguments, Alan Martin used the bat and paving stone from the Corbett bedroom to hit home his point at the prosecution table. How much force does it take to split the flesh all the way to the skull? You know what malice feels like when it comes from the brick that Molly had? It feels like I hate it, and I want those kids. That's what malice feels like. After nine days of testimony, arguments, and crime scene photos so graphic we can only show you isolated images, the jury deliberated for just three hours. If they're coming back this fast with two unanimous verdicts, that's a really good sign. 
Molly and Tom were found guilty of second-degree murder. It was just overwhelming belief, really. They beat him horribly and viciously, and no human being deserves to leave their marital bedroom with their skull destroyed like what happened to Jason. Had you been thinking that it was possible that a a guilty verdict might come back? I did not think it was possible that both of them would be convicted of second-degree murder. Molly and Tom were immediately sentenced to 20 to 25 years in prison. That's when Molly turned around in court and said something to her mother. I'm so sorry. I should have just let him kill me. But as it turns out, this case may be far from over. Mistakes were made at trial. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You saw tears. There were tears. I even had a few tears there while the verdicts were being ran through. After the verdicts, as Tom Martins and Molly Corbett were led off to prison, the jury foreman described his struggle. It wasn't an easy decision. Somebody's life changes. And then he blurted out something that could potentially put those freshly minted verdicts in jeopardy. We didn't discuss a verdict, but in having private conversations, everybody, we could read that everybody was going in the same direction. Did the foreman just admit the jury discussed the case prior to deliberations? If so, that would be a direct violation of the judge's daily instructions to wait. It's been pounced upon uh, to say, aha, these people got together and started deliberating before they were supposed to. Prosecutor Alan Martin disagrees. What I hear is we're a group of people who were sitting together seeing all these events transpire in the courtroom together. Without talking about it, we can read each other's body language while we're in the courtroom. But within days, the defense filed a motion to have the verdict thrown out based on jury misconduct. 
The trial judge denied that motion. But one year later, the defense went to the appellate court, this time arguing there were numerous errors at trial. There's part of me that maybe has some thankfulness that so many errors were made at trial that leaves room for a proper appellate decision in favor of Tom and Molly. For one thing, there were bloodstains on the hem of Tom's boxer shorts that the state said indicated he'd been standing over Jason as he swung the bat. Those stains were assumed to be Jason's blood, but they were never tested. It's not practical, reasonable, or feasible to test every single blood spot in every location. Then there's the matter of the statements from Jack and Sarah. Tell me why you're here. My dad died. Molly's brother Connor is upset that the trial judge did not allow them in. The kids' statements say that uh, Jason was was an abuser. What did you mean? Um, punching, hitting, pushing. And those interviews were conducted in professional environments on multiple occasions where Molly was not present. And to the allegation from the Jason side of the family that they were coached by Molly? The, I mean, the interviews were conducted by, by professionals. I don't, that's, that's their job. Like, why would the prosecution try so hard to prevent that from coming from trial? It's only evidence for the jury. Let them make that decision. Jack's statement recanting what he'd said after he'd returned to Ireland was also never heard by the jury. Is it true that your father was abusive? Or false? Um, false. The Martins family has maintained all along it is that statement that was coached. Um, uh, she's saying a lot of story, making of stories about my dad saying that he was abusive. Do you think that the recanting should be allowed in too? I don't think so under the conditions, but if they can't, then the jury can discern which is, which is truthful. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, the Court of Appeals is now in session. In January 2019, the state appeals court makes the rare move to allow oral arguments in Molly and Tom's case. Once again, both families flock to the courthouse, with Tracy flying in from Limerick. There is always another step or there is always something else to face. Neither Tom nor Molly are present in the courtroom. How does she feel her chances are with the appeal? I don't know. I I think that she is cautiously optimistic, but um, I think that there's still a lot of hopelessness, too. It's hard to trust the system after what they've gone through. Each side has just a half hour to make its most important points. The defense goes first. There are a number of statements from the children, including, Dad got mad for no reason. It was error to exclude them. But the prosecution pushes back. The fact that somebody makes a statement doesn't mean that it's trustworthy. The children didn't want to go back to Ireland. They had friends. They had schools. They were used to the USA. Uh, They rode horses. They lived in a nice house. They were comfortable. The defense... All we're asking for is a fair trial. ...makes an impassioned argument about jury misconduct. In having private conversations, everybody... We could read that everybody was going in the same direction. A juror is confessing on the courthouse steps, not even an hour after the verdict, that they engaged in private conversations. Are you concerned about this appeal? I'm not concerned about it. I think the case was really, really strong. My 
Mike says it is strength of a different kind that keeps Tom going. Tom, I think, even as he sits in this atrocious miscarriage of justice, knows that he saved his daughter's life. And, you know, I think he can sleep at night, knowing that even if she is in prison, she's not dead. Back in Ireland, Tracy waits for the appeals court's decision. She's written a book about this case and Jason. I wrote the book to give him back his character, the Martins, Molly Martins in particular, tried to destroy his character. I smiled briefly to myself as I realized that Jason eventually found himself back in the only place on earth he ever wanted to be, in the arms of his beloved Mags. She finds comfort that her brother is buried in Limerick, next to his first wife and the mother of his children. Jack and Sarah picked out the picture to change on the headstone from Mags to both of them. I hope they're together somewhere. The memories just float to the surface and, you know, they'll always be part of our lives. A wrongful death lawsuit on behalf of Jason's children was settled by Tom Martins. There was no admission of wrongdoing by Tom or Molly. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.